Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for the feedback. A few of you are awake and alert. Um, I'm kind of like the TV here this morning. I'm still loading, trying to wake up. I think I need a little more coffee. Uh, Well, my name is Pastor Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here, and when I am not um, speaking, my role here at Infuse is a small group leader for our kids' ministry, so I'm down in the kids' area um, getting to pour and invest in our small groups in our kids' areas. So we are in our third week of the Broken Record series, the excuse spiral that many of us can find ourselves in, where we're making excuses after excuses. If you've missed the first two weeks, I really encourage you either to download the Infuse app, go online to Infuse.Church, and catch up on the last two messages. We have one more week next week on this series. But even for me personally, I find it really, really helpful and convicting as I look to the many, many excuses that not only I make, but the excuses that I see in others or those that I care about or my children or um, specifically my spouse. Um, We all can be really good at different times at making excuses. So um, I thought I would share a couple excuses that I've heard lately um, in my family circle. Um, So my husband has been working um, very hard, or hardish, I guess, at trying to be healthier from working out or trying to work out um, to eating healthier. And so some of his excuses get pretty creative. And I've learned that through this series, I can find new and creative ways to poke holes in some of those excuses. So for example, he loves Twizzlers. And so I'll say, hey, maybe that's not the healthiest choice. And he's like, well, we don't need the Hershey company going out of business, do we? Uh, Or he likes Oreos. And so he's worried if he doesn't continue to buy Oreos, they'll stop making Oreos. Or one of my favorites um, is he's like, well, I got to get in shape before I go to the gym, you know? And I'm like, you got to get in shape before you go to the gym? Or he was like, I got to lose 10 pounds before I go to the gym. I'm like, well, isn't that why you go to the gym? So you can lose 10 pounds? But anyways, um, we all come up with crazy excuses. Even I come up with excuses, and he'll poke holes in them. I'll say, well, you know, it's not really worth having that conversation with that person because they're not going to hear me. And he'll be like, well, they aren't going to hear you if you don't tell them anyways. So at least try and tell them. Um, and my kids are really good at making excuses. I have coworkers. Maybe some of you have coworkers that are really good at excuses. Um, I have a couple individuals that they get really, really creative with excuses, and you just kind of look at them. Like they'll tell you that their sister-in-law's grandma's aunt brother's turtle died, and you're looking at them like, that's the best you could come up with of why you couldn't show up. Um, But it's so much easier to see in everyone else than it is to look in the mirror and look at the excuses that we make in our own lives. And if you um, joined us a couple weeks ago, when I kicked off this series, I used this big prop. And some of you are like, what in the world is this? And I talked about how excuses are kind of like paper walls. So I know some of you came in here thinking that this was a real wall, and yes, it does look like a real wall, just like excuses can look like real reasons. But this is actually a paper wall. And see, from a distance, when you came in, it looked like a real wall, but as you get closer and closer, or closer in relationship with that person, you realize that maybe their reason wasn't a real reason, or there was something more, and they they put up a wall. That from a distance, this wall looked like a real obstacle. The reason that they gave you felt like a real reason of why they could or could not do something. From a distance, it looks like these walls leave us with no choice. 
that they said, nope, I can't do that. And so from a distance, it looks like it's put up a real barrier of telling the people around them or those that care about them that, you know what, here's the wall that I put up. This is what I'm willing to do and this is what I'm not willing to do and here's why. From a distance, these walls can put up the perception to others that you're not wanting to try or to try again. And that's an area of your life that you're not willing to talk about or to explore. And from a distance, a lot of times our excuses are sometimes they have a real reason, but those excuses are sometimes just made up because there's something really deeper behind that excuse that maybe we weren't really willing to wrestle with. Maybe that excuse, that deeper reason was because of something that someone told you, expected of you, or they labeled you, or they told you that you could or you couldn't do that, and so that's why you put up a paper wall around that specific area in your life that said, you know what, I'm not willing to do that, but you know, I'm gonna make this excuse because I haven't dealt with the real reason and the deeper, harder work that it takes to explore why I continue to use that excuse. And in the real world, those excuses that we have reasons for that are deeper, in the real world, they come out as becauses. So our excuses and our verbiage become our becauses. And I don't know if you've ever listened um, to yourself or listened to others, and you've heard this word come up. But be careful and be mindful about when this word is used. I don't know about you, but there's often times where I catch myself saying, you know, oh, I can't do that because. Well, someone says, well, why don't you? Oh, well, because. Let me tell you, (laughs) I got this going on. Well, why didn't you try out for that? Well, because. Well, why didn't you show up for this? Oh, because. Well, why didn't you try out and apply for that job? Well, because, well, why don't you tell her about how you really feel? Well, because, well, why don't you try to ask for forgiveness? Well, because you don't know what they did to me. If you heard the story of what they did to me, then I I wouldn't have to explain myself to you. And all the time we're saying, well, because, because, because. And our excuses come out in our verbiage as becauses. And what we think we're doing is we think we're protecting ourselves and we're putting up boundaries, but really our excuses are lies that we're telling ourselves about ourselves. And remember I said it's easier to see these lies in other people, but it's really, really hard to look in the mirror and label these excuses as lies. And the reason I said that there are lies that we tell ourselves that are about ourselves is because you tell yourself, well, you can't. You know, if you did that, you probably won't succeed, you know. If you try that relationship, it may fail like that last relationship. Well, if you did that, you might, you might find yourself in the same position that you are right now. And, and people don't think that's really good. So if you tried that and you end up in the same spot, then what are people going to think of you then? And you start telling yourselves lies that limit the capability of what you can and should do and the opportunities that you could take a part of. And it's a dangerous slippery slope because sometimes for us those lies become reality for us and we redefine and our self-image gets changed significantly because of how we told ourselves we are or we should be. And again we didn't 
you know, just automatically wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to lie to myself. A lot of it has deeper roots inside of us of something that happened to us, something that shaped us. Maybe it was, again, something that someone told you that you are or you're not, or a label around you. And so out of that became excuses for what you do and you do not do. See, for many of us, we think that this wall is, is a protector. We think that we can put up this wall and we're setting healthy boundaries or we're putting ourselves in positions that we feel only comfortable with. But what happens is when we put these walls up, this paper wall that looks like a real wall to all of our friends, our family, our coworkers, those that care about us, we end up missing out because we walled ourselves in. Not that we walled everyone else out, but we actually ended up walling ourselves in. We wall ourselves in from opportunities, from new adventures, from stretching and growing ourselves, from saying yes to new relationships, to saying yes to new friendships, yes to a new career, yes to a new experience that we haven't experienced. So what we thought protected us and what we thought was a help to us actually became a hindrance to us. And really, it, it keeps others out too because we've walled ourselves in. So it's isolating, it's lonely. I'm sure there's many of us in here that we know exactly those moments where there was bigger opportunities in our lives where we made an excuse when we knew we probably should have showed up, we should have tried out. And it was really isolating on the other side. And even if we were going to fail or it wasn't going to be successful, we knew that we should have probably still showed up and tried out. And we disguised the deeper reasons of why we walled ourselves in as an excuse to everyone else. Because we wanted to portray a different image and we didn't want to be authentic with ourselves and again, do the harder work of looking at what are these real reasons behind our excuse? I don't know if any of you have ever heard the phrase, there are two kinds of people in this world. I kind of laugh at these. <laughs> I don't know if you see these on social media where it's like, well, you can really define everyone by two types of people in this world. Um, even Mark Twain uh, had a phrase too of people in the world are either they accomplish something or there's the, there are those that claim to accomplish something. Uh, for me, I think there are two kinds of people. It's as simple as this. You either admit that you pee in the shower or you lie that you pee in the shower because I think everyone pees in the shower, just no one wants to admit it. Um, but we get put in boxes all the time. Like there's two types of people. You either like vanilla or you like chocolate. You slice your sandwich in triangles or rectangles or you're an outdoor person or an indoor. You're a morning person or a night person. And it's so funny how we define people by two types of people. But I think when it comes to excuses, we can define sometimes our opportunities or how we act by two types of situation. There are people that make a difference and there are people that make excuses. And if you've ever read a biography or explored someone's life or maybe you have someone close to you, that you know, and they had two choices in life. They had a choice where, you know what, they had every reason. You have no idea their, their situation, what people did to them, 
what brokenness was around them, the pain or the suffering. And they had every reason in the book to make excuses, but they didn't. They chose to take those situations, to take their experiences, their gifts, and they made a difference. And they made the world a better place because they chose not to make excuses. They chose to take those situations and say, how can I turn this into an opportunity? How can I learn? How can I stretch myself? How can I grow myself? I don't have to be defined and put in a box by what someone called me or told me I was or I wasn't or a relationship that was so hard and they, they defined how I looked at myself. I can take those moments and I can do the hard work of working through those and I can help other people in this journey. I can have healing in my own journey and I can make a difference. And making a difference can look like a lot of different things, but the biggest thing is they weren't making excuses. They were making a difference. They weren't telling people all the why nots. They were saying, why not? Why not try out? Why not do that? Why not check it out and see what's the worst that could happen? I fail and I try again and I learn from those experiences. At the heart of many of these excuses and what holds us back from making a difference is a four-letter word that we're familiar with and that drives and motivates a lot of our decisions and our excuses and is at the heart of a lot of our excuses, and that's fear. And fear can be a very dangerous thing, and I don't know if, as you're thinking about the excuses you've made or the excuses of loved ones around you, you can pinpoint exactly what they're afraid of. You know that, hey, there's something deeper here. There's a fear that's holding them back. And that fear is what built this paper wall. They didn't mean to purposely, or you didn't mean to purposely isolate yourself and wall yourself in, but this wall was slowly built over time because of fear. It can be anything from fear of embarrassment, fear of change, that scares a lot of us, fear of the loss or potential loss that can happen, fear of admission, fear of getting hurt, fear of getting hurt again, Fear of success even sometimes scares people and drives people. And then fear of failure. Fear of failure can be really hard to admit. And it's something, again, that is the seedbed of a lot of our excuses and where they start and how they can develop into something much more greater than they ever should have been. But there's things that fueled that fear and you disguised all of that real fear for excuses, and you built a paper wall. For some of us, it's a fear that we've never even verbally acknowledged or we've said to those that we've cared about. And that's really isolating and lonely too. When you live with that fear yourself and you're not able to have a community or a small group to share that with and explore that fear and where that fear comes from and what's that, that thing behind it, that has that gotcha moment that holds you back from all these opportunities. See, fear fuels our excuses. It fuels and animates our excuses more than it ever should. If you're a Jesus follower and you've spent time in the scripture, Jesus in the Old and, well, in the New Testament in the scripture too, there's the commands of do not fear or fear not. 
It is actually the most repeated command in the scripture if you combine all of that that was said during the Old and the New Testament. In fact, that verbiage was used 365 times, which I think is kind of ironic. It's like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to remind myself daily because there's 365 days that I should not fear. Fear not. But that's harder to do. It's easier to say, oh, yeah, I just, I shouldn't be afraid of that. I shouldn't be afraid to try out. I shouldn't be able to try to repair that relationship. I shouldn't be afraid to try something new. But there's something deeper. For some of you, that fear has blinded opportunities. You didn't know that there was those opportunities because you were so embedded in that fear that you couldn't even see those opportunities. That fear created real obstacles and you missed out. And maybe you didn't know exactly what you were missing out on, but you knew you missed out. Sometimes even fear creates obstacles for even some of the simplest things that we should do. Maybe just expressing how we should feel or how we feel to someone or sharing a new thought or an idea with our boss. Fear can control a lot of our actions. And then it animates and fuels these excuses. In the New Testament, when Jesus was on earth, uh, he spent time teaching. And in his teaching, he often used what's called parables. And parables are these beautiful illustrations of something that he is trying to illustrate. And it's not a true story. It's a fictional story. And he wants to illustrate a deeper meaning, but he wants to use a different illustration in which to convey that meaning. And so oftentimes when we read parables, we try to put ourselves in the shoes of the audience or who Jesus is trying to to share this story with. So as I share with you this parable from Matthew, I want to think or ask you to think about how would Jesus in your situation respond to some of your excuses? And maybe you're not a Jesus follower, you're still questioning this, but think about maybe one of the biggest excuses or something that you continue to make excuses on. And think about this as we read this parable of how would Jesus respond to the excuse that you're making? The excuse that is fueling your decisions of whether to do something or not do something, to say yes or to say no, or to put up a wall, to wall people out and wall yourself in. So in this parable, there's a wealthy man. He has a significant amount of wealth, and he has three servants. And these three servants all have different abilities. And so these three servants, he calls them in and he says, I'm gonna go on a long, long journey. I'm gonna go away for a while. So I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna give five bags of gold. To another, I'm going to give two bags. And to another, one bag each according to his ability, his strengths, his weaknesses, his measure of success. I want to take the ability that they have and I'm gonna give you these various amounts of gold. And then he left, he went on his journey. And he was very intentional with them. He wanted them to invest this money, not to sit on it. He wanted them to make the most of this investment that he had given each of them. And then he wanted them to report back when he returned. So he went away for a long, long time, and then he came back, and he had returned. 
And the first two servants, they actually doubled the master's money. He was so happy. He said this, his master replied, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's the kind of opportunities that we wanna be a part of. We want to come back and we want to have taken what we have been given and we wanna make the most of it. We all desire to leave this place better than what we left it. And we wanna come back and we wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We wanna share in the happiness. We wanna celebrate the wins. We don't wanna be stuck behind a wall wondering what if I had done something. For these guys, they probably thought this was a lot. And they're sitting there thinking, well, that wasn't a few things. What are you going to charge us and entrust us with now? If that was a few things, if five bags of gold or two bags of gold was a few things, what are the opportunities now? I think about their imagination and their excitement of what God wanted to do next in their life because they had been faithful with the first investment that the master had given them. Then there was the third servant. And I know that some of times we often feel like this too, where, you know what, we were entrusted with something and it's sometimes safer not to do anything because then we don't have the opportunity to lose it. It's sometimes safer just to hold on to it and keep it the way it is. And so the third servant comes in and he had the least amount to invest, but because he had the least amount to invest, he also had the least amount to lose. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but he had the least riskiest opportunity. And he said this, he said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Meaning you don't leave any stone unturned. You don't say no to any opportunity to invest. You actually invest in other people's opportunities. You want to profit on their investments. You want to take every opportunity. And I know that you're a hard man. You're a business person. You want to make what you have and make it better and grow it. And so he was scared. Essentially, he was saying, well, because... Because you're a hard man, I just, I didn't know where to start. If you weren't the way you were, then I wouldn't have been the way I am. But because you were a hard man, then I had to make this difficult choice. It's almost like he was making an excuse. And he says that. He says, so, I was afraid. Because of the way you were, you know, it's, it's really not my fault. You know, if you wouldn't have been so hard on me... Maybe if you wouldn't have even entrusted me in that, then it wouldn't have turned out the way it did. He says, I was afraid, and so I went on and I hid the gold. I hid it in the ground. But guess what? Here, this is what belongs to you. I'm giving you back. I didn't lose it. Now, yes, I didn't grow it or invest it, but I didn't lose it. And the master says, you know what? No worries. Great job. Pat on the back. Here's a Starbucks gift card. Go get yourself a triple grande sugar-free vanilla latte with whip and caramel drizzle. It's all good. You at least gave me back. Nah. That's not what happened. Because guess what? Jesus loves us too much to leave us where we're at. 
He loves us too much to say, you know what? Not doing anything with what I've given you is not okay. Because I know that there's a better opportunity. That there's something that you can do to make a difference. And I know that you left a lot on the table. He said this, he said, you wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I have gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should at least have put my money on deposit with the bankers. At least invest it so you could get interest, right? Instead of putting it in the ground and it sat there and did nothing. You could have put a deposit on the bankers so that when I returned, I could have had the interest. He didn't even do that. It was easier to make an excuse. It was easier to say, you know what, here's the reason why I couldn't. You know, you know you're just a really hard person to work for and here's why. And It was really easy to be blinded by the, the fear versus the opportunity that he had. Because that fear created an obstacle for him. So much so that he just buried it in the ground versus even invested it. He put up walls around himself. He told lies to himself of why he couldn't do it, why he wouldn't be successful. And that fear created a paper wall. And in this parable, Jesus came to him and he started to poke walls in that hole. And he called him out. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. And in the next verse, it says this. And I know some of us think that this might be really, really harsh, but it's coming from a loving father who, again, he doesn't want you to live behind this wall. He doesn't want to leave you as you are. He wants you to continue to grow, to develop into who he made you to be and to live a life fulfilling a purpose and a will. He said this, he said, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There'll be pain and suffering because he was out. He wasn't in celebrating with the master, rejoicing in the master's happiness, hearing well done, good and faithful servant. They got left out. Oftentimes how we feel when we're on the other side of the wall. And we came up with reasons or excuses that were fueled by fear, animated by fear, that kept us out from doing what we know we should have done, or maybe even for those of us that are Jesus followers for what God was calling us to do. I know for me personally, um, entering ministry, it was very difficult and it was fueled. Um, initially, a lot of my decisions were fueled by fear. Um, being a woman in ministry and going into seminary where it was predominantly um, male was very hard. I told myself lies. And those lies were driven by fear versus being grounded in who I knew God created me to be and who God called me to be. And I often think about the time that I grew the most through the most in which I was able to invest in my spiritual growth and in my development. What if I had missed out on all of that time? 
because I let those fears and those lies of maybe how I thought the world saw me or individuals had said to me, and I didn't run after those opportunities. I think about the relationships that I got to build there. I think about the dreams that God put on Taylor and I's heart while we were there to plant churches, to plant this church. What would have happened with all of that if I let the fear fuel my life and dictate, and I was a puppet of that fear? What kind of path would I be on today? Where would I be? Who would I be? How isolated would I be if I had spent that time behind that wall? So I'll ask you this question again. If you were to put yourself in any one of the servant's shoes, how do you think Jesus would respond to where you're at today with the reasons that you disguise through excuses that come out as becauses? How would he respond to those in your life? Or for some of you, those that you care deeply about, that you need to hold them accountable or have those tough conversations and say, you know what? I'm not asking you the right question. I need to sit down and have a conversation with you of what's the biggest thing you're afraid of instead of making them feel guilty for not showing up each week or not applying for that job. I need to change my conversations with those that I care and love about and start being curious in those moments. And how do I move past this? Not just alone, but how do I move past this fear alongside other people, alongside our Heavenly Father? How do I move past these moments in community so that I can begin to not just come up to the wall that other people put up, but I can actually start poking holes in the wall of those that I care about or poking the holes in the wall of the, the walls that I have created in my own life. So here's a couple simple steps, and Caitlin's going to be sharing with us next week more about some practical steps um, to help us navigate together in relationship with our Heavenly Father who loves us too much to leave us where we're at. We have to first be able to identify them. I know this is really simple, but even in my journey of preparing these messages, I have caught myself so many times hearing my becauses. And some of them just rolled off the tongue, but there was other ones that I paused. And I had to start listening for every time I say because and, and start saying, why did I say that? Did I really have a reason for that because? Was that reason really something else? Was there a deeper fear? So start by identifying your becauses. The next one, which is my favorite, is interrogate them. Ask yourself, or ask those you care about, with genuine curiosity, not with accusations or pointing fingers, but interrogate them, asking, you know, what are you afraid of? What fuels that fear? How and when did that fear get born in your life? Is there something around you today that you need to remove in your life that continues to give you fear? And that's what's continuing the reasons why you make excuses. For a lot of us, there's a lot of power when we start to relabel them. And this is really hard, especially when we do it out loud. But there's a lot of power when we say, you know what? 
that's an excuse. And I know it might sound kind of funny, but when you're making an excuse and you find your because, you can say, you know what, Stephanie, that's an excuse. Or look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, Stephanie, I apologize for making excuses that have walled you in, that have kept you out of opportunities. And the biggest one, which uh, Caitlin's going to talk about more next week, is accountability. Because we can't do this alone. Our Heavenly Father wants to do this with us and alongside us. And you have people around you sitting in these rows, sitting in your cubicle, sitting in your homes, that they love you and you love them so much that we want to move to a better place. So she's going to spend a whole message just talking about accountability with moving past these excuses and getting out of the excuse spiral. See, for some of us, if we're not careful, if we don't identify them or interrogate them or relabel them, if we're not careful, we can excuse our whole life away. Maybe some of you know people like that, that they've excused their health away, they excused their friends away, they excused their marriage away, their relationships away. Some people have even excused their faith away. All because they lived in an isolated place of fear and loneliness behind a wall. All because this stupid wall that looked like a real wall, that was just a paper wall, they missed out. See, this paper wall creates obstacles that then lead to you missing out. And then what's even more sad is that the world misses out on you. I know that this is really hard for some of us to believe us, especially if we're wrestling with um, self-image or um, self-love or self-care. But you know what? You are so unique. There is no one that's ever lived before you that will ever live after you that has the same experiences, same unique DNA the same talents, the same gifts, the same friendships, the same families, the same relationships. There is no one else like you that has ever lived or will ever live. And the world gets to miss out on you when you make excuses. Don't deny the world from the unique, beautiful person that you are, the person that can make a difference. And again, to take this one step further, for those of us who believe that there's a heavenly father who wants more for us, but you miss out on God's plan. You miss out on living a life on purpose, with a purpose, because you're living in a place of fear, being afraid. And it was easier to say, you know what, I'm just going to bury this. I'm going to hide behind the wall. It's easier, it's safer, I know that I won't get hurt again or I won't have to face the fact of I might not succeed or I might not get accepted there. And that's a really lonely place to live. For some of us, we just have to ask ourselves the question, what do I lose if I continue to excuse? And for some of us, that's a lot greater weight that it carries 
than what we were trying to protect ourselves from. We realize that there is a whole world out there that we miss out on. There's people that need our friendship that we miss out on when we choose to excuse. When you say, nope, groups aren't for me, or this whole faith thing isn't for me, or being a healthier version isn't for me, or trying to, to find forgiveness and reconciliation, that's not for me. What do you lose out on when you continue to excuse? If there should be anything that we fear, and this is really hard for some of us, but it shouldn't be the fear of failure or embarrassment. The fear that we should fear is what are we missing out on? And what are we missing out on because of who God created us to be? What are the opportunities that we could do or we should do that we're losing because we're choosing to excuse instead of try out, show up, make that phone call? If there's anything we should fear, it should be living behind this self-inflicted created wall that robs us from these opportunities and the people that love us and a heavenly father who loves you. It can rob you of life itself, from life with your family, life with your kids, life with your spouse, life with a heavenly father who wants you to make the world a better place, to be the light in the darkness. So that fear of missing out on who God created us could be, what we could and should do is more about the people around us and the world around us. It's not just for ourselves. It's for those around us who are missing out on us and the gifts that we have to serve those people, to love the world, to leave this world a better place, to be a light in the darkness. I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of my life, I don't want to live with regret of what I should have done, what I could have done, all because I made excuses because of lies I told myself. I wanna break through these paper walls in my life, in every area of my life, so that when I get to the end, I can be like one of those servants and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God that loves us no matter what, but also a God that loves us too much to let us stay in the same place, no matter where we're at in life. If we're at the start of our faith journey, we're not sure where we're at, or maybe we've been a Christian or a Jesus follower all our lives, that you love us too much in each of those phases that you don't wanna leave us where we're at, that you wanna push us through the next opportunity. You wanna push us through these papers, walls, these excuses that we've made up of why we can't take that next step of faith, why we can't try out, why we can't serve in this way, why we can't, do that next job. So thank you for not being okay with us just coming back at the end of our lives saying, well, at least we didn't lose what we had. But thank you for not being okay with us not using the talents and the gifts that you have given us to its fullest. 
Thank you that stewardship in our lives doesn't have to look like the world's definition of a success, but that you look at our stewardship of what did we do with the time that we had, with the resources that you have given us, and what did we do with that at the end of our lives? Thank you for being a God who wants to not just bring us right up to those paper walls, but you wanna push through those. That you surround us with opportunities daily, weekly, to push us. Whether that be investing in a new relationship, a new opportunity, or reconciling an old relationship, or trying something new. That you're a God that wants to push through that, and you want to partner with us, and you want to be alongside of us in that journey. That you're not just a God of the valleys or the top of the mountains, but that you're in the weeds through it all. And that the fear that we have can be overcome. That you call us to something better and you call us to not be afraid. To say, fear not. And you call us to trust in you. Because you know what's on that other side of the wall, even when we don't. And you want to lead us to that. Thank you for leading us through those. In your name we pray. Amen.